Okay. Now we're recording this episode of Logical uh, Nominal Ownership of Property Interests in the UAE. We're also live on TikTok while we're recording. A couple of questions for you, Ludmilla, that have come in. And I'll start with this one. Uh, I have an off-plan property. Is it possible for me to sell it before settlement in Dubai? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, so an off-plan sort of transfer of property rights has uh, been very uh, commonly used and uh, in, in Dubai in, in perhaps one of the one of the tools that has allowed Dubai to benefit so much from been introducing so bringing in so many investors um, because it's been easy to sell off-plan property. Um, there there are some conditions that are attached to this. You know, to sell off-plan property, first of all, you have to you have to have OCUD, which is the the pre-sale or kind of pre-registration and then also you will still need to get uh, what's called the approval or sign-off of the developer uh, the, the development company or the developer and they may by the way contractually they may also have and we've seen this before they may have their own fee that will be attached to the, to the uh, transfer of interest prior to completion and this was by the way it was introduced because when there was a lot of flipping was uh, a very common practice in Dubai in particular so that practice was introduced where not only um, not only the land department would charge their uh, interest uh, but also even the developer would add on their interest and so uh, so you can sell off-plan property but you would have every time you sell it would have to you would, you first of all in order for you to get the okud uh, you will have had to pay the four percent mm-hmm. of the uh, to the land department a four percent of the total value of the property uh, and then second of all uh, to um, uh, when you transfer your prop your off-plan property to someone else they too would have to uh, pay four percent on that the new basically on the on the property uh, value or on the the value of the transaction. And then in addition to that, the developer may have their own fee uh, to allow for this transfer. So yes, it's all possible, but it has to be done by virtue of um, of a you know, sort of conditions, a specific mechanism, and through the authorities and with the developer's help. Okay, another question for you. What areas, and this is this is a very broad question, uh, what areas can expats buy property in Dubai? Uh, so um, there are many areas. So I guess the default uh, in the UAE used to be that properties, so only nationals can buy properties in the UAE. So that's how, that was like kind of default rule. And then from there, everything else was an exception unless... Yes. Unless a special designated area where that's that's designated as a freehold in that that designated area, uh, then expats could buy property. And so it started out Dubai perhaps led the way in that department and so introduced it opened up one area. Dubai Marina, for example, was one of the first areas. And then since then they've they've all grown and there is basically and these are all codified. This is not just sort of uh, announced in the newspaper. So there is regulations and resolutions and circulars that specifically designate a, a, a particular area as a freehold area. And mm. so these are all codified in, in specific documents or legislative authorities. And so it's in those in those areas they're called the freehold areas where expats can own properties. And um, in Dubai, I guess basically. In these days, as perhaps we have fewer, maybe there's too many areas to mention, perhaps it's easier to uh, say where you cannot own property in Dubai, but um, more and more areas are being designated. But uh, certainly, for example, Jumeirah, and there's a lot of people there that want to, a lot of expats that live, but they've been renting uh, villas from locals. So in those properties in Jumeirah for the time being right now, in terms of villas in particular, that's still reserved only for UAE nationals. But otherwise, as long as it's a freehold area, uh, then expats can own. And uh, while we're on TikTok, those who are still listening live, 
There's another question just came, um, came, and so I'll answer if you're still online. And that's uh, if I buy property on loan, which is under my friend's name, and I lose my job, would I still be liable or held liable for paying the remaining amount? Well, the loan is is the same as perhaps uh, as as title deeds. So if the loan is in your friend's name, then it's your friend that's that's responsible for the loan. And uh, say for the same same reason, and that is the loan is it's a contractual document, it's a document that would be registered not only with the banks but also with the um, authorities uh, such as the land department. Because if it's it's a loan, it could be it's perhaps a mortgage, and the mortgage uh, would be registered uh, with uh, with the land department. And so in that case, it's whoever the party is that that's to that loan agreement or to that mortgage or in the title deed that will ultimately be responsible for the liabilities that are still outstanding and that. That is um, the liability being the loan. So therefore, it will be unfortunate for your friend. It will be your friend that will still be liable uh, for that uh, that loan. And um, um, whether you lose a job or not, it's not your sort of legal headache. Now, obviously, you have moral obligations, ethical obligations to your friend, and your friend can still have a claim against you for, uh, for example, for repayment uh, or, or, or compensation for damages or repayment of whatever amount that, um, that they might have. They may, they may be able to show that they've incurred on your behalf. Uh, but otherwise, it's a very dangerous arrangement. And I perhaps would not recommend very much of, um, of, uh, for this to be a common practice because uh, it's, uh, the friend is the one who will be held liable on the one, the hand, on the one hand. And on the other hand, also, uh, if anything were to happen, let's say with your friend, what if your friend lost a job? I mean, so then the bank would foreclose on the loan and then you would lose the property as well. There's that. Uh, and uh, and also if uh, the, the property is obviously, uh, if the loan is on your friend's name, then the chances are the property is also on his name. And so once again, we go back to the same problem that I said before. If the property is in your friend's name, then the property is his or hers and not yours. Nice friend to have uh, if that friend sticks by you. There's another question actually just come in there. And this is an interesting one because uh, it kind of relates directly to what we were talking about on the podcast. If I buy a property as a gift for my fiance and now we're separated, is there a way to claim it back? So by inference, you would think that property is in the fiance's name. What happens then? Uh, great question. Yes. Yeah. So then in this case as well, so the, the property uh, is obviously your fiance's because it's in her name. Now, the gift one is interesting. So uh, the, the short answer is that you should not have a reasonable expectation to be able to, certainly you will not be able to get the property back, right? The, the, the best case scenario is that if you get uh, part of the payment back uh, or the money that you pay for the property back. So that would be the best case scenario. But if it was a gift, then it was a gift. And a gift is very hard to undo. And then, so the, and then the, um, in this particular case, the, the circumstances around this particular transaction would be instrumental. Uh, and for example, if there are messages that saying, Hey, listen, this was a gift. Love you very much. Here's, I'm very generous. Here's a gift. That in of itself perhaps would, uh, would be very difficult to, uh, to dispute. Even if there's just there's just there's that kind of relationship, it's not like an official relationship. It's not uh, codified, for example, as a marriage. Uh, but just by saying it's a gift, certainly uh, that would be very difficult to undo. Uh, or, um, but you know, if there is some, there are some other kind of documents or messages where, for example, she says, 
thank you very much for this generous gift. I understand this is very generous, but I, let's, as we've agreed before, if we ever separate and so on and so forth, this, I will give this back to you. So these kinds of messages might help you. Uh, at least it will give you perhaps a chance to kind of to, to at least try to challenge it. But I'd say ultimately it would be very, very difficult to um, certainly it will not be able to get the property back. But you might be able to, depending on the the, the, the sort of expressed and written proof or documents, you might be able to claim uh, at least some of the payment back. Uh, but manage your expectations. Usually if it's a gift, it's just a gift. And we've seen recently courts, by the way, issue decisions, but these are more kind of the marriage context. But even then, said if it's a gift, it's a gift. You know, you have to basically prove that somehow that there was not, not just a gift, but there was an expectation to get it back and what the terms of that ultimate loan were. Let's hope it wasn't an acrimonious split. Um, one more question, Ludmilla, for you. Can I sell a property which was under my father's name? He meant to gift it to me before he passed away, before he was able to, you know, transfer it. Uh, no, you will not be able to because officially that na- that property is now in your late father's name, and until uh, the uh, un- until the probate process has been finalized, i.e., so the distribution of the estate been finalized and until the actually the new owner steps into the feet of your now deceased father you won't be able to do anything with the property um so um uh so the, yeah so basically that's that's uh, in other words not only let's say even if you have a probate and you have to do it through the court you have to get a court um uh, court order that states okay well, now let's say the property goes to you uh, but even in that case you first before you're able to sell it you will have to be registered as a holder or as an owner of that property on the title deed before you're able to register it. So uh, there is uh, just because your father, father meant to give it to you, even if let's say it was in the will, it's still not so e- It's until officially it's been reflected in the land registry, you won't be able to dispose of it. 